still talking about the environmental impact the kilograms or tons of co2 that have not been put out into the environment as a result of you know using the electric uh, drive train even if the electric drive train was powered the electricity came from a coal powered thermal plant there would still be savings so all of these things have sort of come together to create this package so anyone who sort of it's not about just okay is am i an owner of a performance ic engine bike and should i think about electric it is more about sort of what we are seeing with our customers is people who have a progressive mindset and want to see that change in the world whether it's for performance whether it's for economic reasons whether it's simply about a lifestyle change right and that's where the f77 comes hi wherever you're listening to us i hope you're doing well welcome to the daily tech conversation where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs cxos and investors i'm hariyarakli in this episode narayan subramanyam and neeraj rajmohan co-founders of ultraviolet talk about the evolution of their first product the f77 a sports performance electric motorcycle that has drawn interest from around the world this is part 1 of our two part conversation and today i bring you a simple walk through of the bengaluru company's first showroom which the entrepreneurs call their hangar because they say everything about their bike is inspired by aviation and i have mostly retained the noises and sounds within the showroom and on the main road right outside so you'll keep hearing them in the background as well neeraj and narayan also spoke about the innovations that went into the motorcycle's battery and overall design to make it a genuine bike first and an ev next welcome to the ultraviolet hangar and this is our uh, one of a kind state of the art futuristic uh, experience centers the first uh, flagship store in bangalore okay. and this um, is a very immersive experience not just of the product what but also what the brand ultraviolet stands for so everything that you see here is treated with the same amount of passion attention to detail and the futuristic treatment that you see on the f77 motorcycle itself you all uh, thing launched in november and then you, you said you started deliveries in february yes and this hangar when did you start this hangar went live middle of april okay so it's been about a month and a half since the hangar was uh, opened okay. so so what we're looking at here is um, an experience zone but um, you know the core of the brand has a lot of aviation dna uh-huh. right from the design philosophy of honest functionality being at the core of what we do to the team comprising of a lot of folks from an aviation background solving highly complex technical challenges both on the structural side and on the electronics architecture which is closer to an aircraft where you cannot have any sort of cascading failures so that's the uh, basis on which we've designed all of our systems on the f77 and of course we the bike looks like it's been inspired from a jet as well mm. and uh, so all of that aviation influence comes in not only when you look at the motorcycle or ride the motorcycle but also when you are here with us at the hangar so if you look at uh, the whole team right it is based off what a futuristic hangar would be like the whole uh, sales experience is meant to be closer to what uh, you know a more of a informal uh, futuristic cafe kind of an experience than a conventional uh, table and chair seating right and uh, so what we have here are the three versions variants of the f77s so this is the shadow then the air strike and the laser 
so each one is designed to reflect a different personality altogether so shadow is a little more you know matte and dark and for folks who want to be understated right uh, and also there's a lot of uh, superhero influence that has gone into that okay then the air strike is something which you could associate with someone who likes technology and gadgets and a certain number uh, influence of lifestyle going into it and the laser with what uh, you see there is more flashy right. it's more inspired by the world of racing so these are three personalities we have on the f77s uh, right now okay. and i think what we have there is the bare bones motorcycle ah. where we can do a walk through of the entire technology stack what all ultraviolet has developed in house okay. and how it's taken us a good part of about 6 years to get all of these systems in place okay. so i think the core would be the batteries what we're looking at here but before we come to these production batteries i think we should do a recap to 2019 of the state of the battery technology at that point when we had first unveiled the f77s to the world right so at that point what we had spoken about was you know having modular batteries and a rem- like which were removable and replaceable and with a range of about 150 kilometers right since then you know there was the pandemic and we went back to the drawing board and we said what is the sort of most we can push it to since we had the time to you know go back to uh, the engineering part of it and today as a result of all of that engineering during the pandemic during that 2020 2021 period we have bat- the largest battery pack on a two wheeler in india today oh. and the second largest battery pack on one of our other variants so today it's a 10.3 kilowatt hour battery pack on the motorcycle with which has a range of 100, 307 kilometers idc right and the second largest battery pack has a range of 207 kilometers from an idc point of view right so i think for us we when we went back to the drawing board for us from 150 kilometers the target was okay can we push it to 200 kilometers right and we went over and beyond that and said what is the maximum range that is possible on this kind of with this kind of technology on this kind of motorcycle and that's where we ended up at you know 307 and you know ended up doubling the original stated range mm-hmm. uh, from 2019 to what is on the production vehicle today mm-hmm. so that that was a significant uh, i'd say milestone because nothing like this has been attempted you know where mm-hmm. pulling off a 2x on the range mm-hmm. uh, from that perspective right while still you know maintaining the power maintaining the 0 to 60 the 0 to 100 the acceleration times the peak power in fact even on the peak power on the peak torque we managed to get push it all the way to 100 newton meters of torque from the motors uh, which you know powers the wheel uh, on the vehicle so the end result is that this is kind of um, a first of its kind production electric motorcycle that is really pushing the limits in terms of performance not just in india but you know everywhere in the world. Uh, my idc did you mean Yes, yes. So the range estimates are usually done as per you know a particular standard, whether it's European standards or Indian standards, because it gives a good benchmark to compare between vehicles and things like that. Um, the real world conditions, we still you know it varies person to person based on the riding. So which is why most companies use IDC as a good estimator of uh, you know a benchmark to compare between vehicles, and you know um, it's a standardized way of talking about range. Mm. What are some of the other innovations that you've built into this, which may be an India first or a right, right. I don't know. 
ஆர்கிட்டெக்சர்ட்டி of all of this so unanimous feedback from all of the rider community the media the journalists all of that is is very close to what we just mentioned it's a motorcycle it's a great motorcycle first and then you realize that it's electric so the dynamics the 50 50 weight distribution the way the ergonomics of the vehicle the way man and machine fit together as one one seamless unit all of that is thanks to a lot of testing i think we spent 2 years actively testing and that feedback going back to engineering and minor modifications or you know developments further happening so that phase of what neeraj was talking about from 2019 to 2020 or 2020 to 2022 along with the battery development a lot of the fine tuning and testing of the right dynamics is what happened in that uh, timeline so so that is very innovative first of its kind in terms of the chassis design to facilitate this kind of a battery module to provide you the best ride experience for a sports motorcycle then i think another very important component would be this unit here called the vehicle control unit so so the vehicle control unit is uh, got kind of a smart system it's a fully connected um, experience which means that we have um, you know complete 5g connectivity on the modules there and all of these all of the data that is coming from these vehicles is being streamed back to the no owners of the riders phone itself as well as you know we are able to do diagnostics in real time and even predictive maintenance and that's what we have enabled with our vehicle control unit which was built in house as well right so the entire stack a lot of what you see here is all vertically integrated in the sense that you know uh, ultraviolet has been working on it for several years now and it's all come together in in this production motorcycle it's it's also the only electric vehicle with a dual channel abs uh, okay. Nice. more from a safety point of view right when we talk about um, you know all of this power being available you also want to make sure that that stopping power is provided right so we have uh, the best of the kind brakes as well as the anti lock braking system which is both dual channel power right so we put that all together in one single package and that's where the entire experience of motorcycling comes into picture and that's what uh, i think a lot of the media has been sort of raving about which is that for the first time there's a serious you know uh, motorcycle for performance electric vehicle mm-hmm. and in terms of your indigenization journey yes uh, where are you at i'm thinking right now you still have to import the cells yes and uh, uh, if you're making your own battery packs or importing the battery well, we also? we make our own battery packs as a dedicated line uh, in our assembly in the production facility for the batteries mm-hmm. but i think it's fair to say apart from the cells everything else is indianized so you are able to find vendors who make the motors accessories yes, yes. to so, your car absolutely absolutely so this motors we have been working with different companies since the last 6 years and these are manufactured in india in maharashtra right and uh, frankly if you see most of the vehicle right most of the um, electronics layer or uh, the materials the plastics all of these systems integration of all of these systems most of the value is captured in india right the only things that are coming from outside india are the commodity elements like the cells 
right the magnets within the rotors within the motor mm-hmm. right everything else about the motor is made in india right the magnets still come from outside and the last is the microcontrollers and the chips the silicon which these are commodity components again made outside india typically in you know um different southeast asian countries like thailand and vietnam and places like that so the rest of it working with companies in india we have sort of and it's again taken us a long time because some of these manufacturers and suppliers had been making parts for different uh, applications whether it's for consumer electronics or aerospace applications and sort of had to retool themselves and work with us on making spe- special lines just for ultraviolet to be able to manufacture these parts a lot of our ip is around the battery pack the vehicle control unit and the entire drive system so uh, i suppose there isn't a specific uh, fuel fossil fuel burning bike that this might compare with but what's a rough comparison in terms of the kind of uh, customers who are who might be interested in would be something more powerful than say a pulsar or what Right. So see in terms of so there are different ways to look at it in terms of sheer performance right it it outmatches and outperforms every IC engine in in that entire 200 cc to 600 cc category oh. right so that's from a performance point of view from an economics point of view also it outperforms all of these vehicles because the cost of electricity right on a per kilometer basis is simply you know very different from the cost of fuel today for example Yes, exactly. So one of our uh, riders, in fact, one of the customers, right, uh, took their vehicle last week over a 12-day period or 13-day period from Chennai to Ladakh, right? They covered about 3,000 plus kilometers, and the entire 3,000 kilometers, if you had covered it on an IC engine, it would have cost north north of 10,000 rupees for the fuel. For him, it cost about 1,000 rupees when it came to the electricity charges. Right, that's roughly between thirty and forty paisa per kilometer, which is just a phenomenal difference. Like imagine cross country from Chennai to Ladakh on thousand rupees of um, fuel equivalent of. And we're not even still talking about the environmental impact, the kilograms or tons of CO two that have not been put out into the environment as a result of you know using the electric uh, drivetrain. Even if the electric drivetrain was powered, the electricity came from a. coal powered thermal plant there would still be savings so sure. right so all of these things have sort of come together to create this package so anyone who's sort of it's not about just okay is am i an owner of a performance ic engine bike and should i think about electric it is more about sort of what we are seeing with our customers is people who have a progressive mindset and want to see that change in the world whether it's for performance whether it's for economic reasons whether it's simply about a lifestyle change Right, and that's where the F seventy seven comes. Something you've built your own battery management system. Yes, yes, absolutely. So the battery management system, which is housed in the top part here, the top part of the battery pack. In fact, we can show. I can show it here. Right. Uh, this is the battery management system, which lies and controls the energy uh, and the power that is being delivered from the battery pack itself. This again has gone through about fifteen iterations within the company over a six year period. and has been built from scratch by us and it has five different levels of safety right there's software electrical mechanical structural uh, and thermal right so all of these and each of these are meant to coordinate and work with each other to ensure that the power that is delivered outside of this to the rest of the vehicle
comes out in a controlled manner right and that's something again which takes a lot of engineering a lot of the folks who have worked on the battery technology um i think if you look at how the skill has developed over time it's because these folks had prior experience in different industries where safety was a very critical thing they came from an avionics background now in avionics development you have the similar kind of problems right which is if there's one kind of failure how do you prevent it from cascading into another if you have one kind of failure how do you build a redundant system to take take over right if there's one failure so these kind of principles were applied to build our battery management system and again this is fully manufactured in india uh, it's designed by us and manufactured with our partners right here in india and then it's in finally when it comes together as a battery pack in our battery assembly unit in near electronic city um, and then it's put on to the vehicle so because of the whole uh, i'm thinking the conventional two wheeler and auto industry and everything you have an existing ecosystem that can basically even make things like this all the uh, very supportive manufacturing and, uh, yes uh, welding welding casting mm, mm, mm. any early attempts at your end to look at things like additive manufacturing and stuff like that we do that today in our prototyping okay. still not feasible for us from a time and a cost perspective to mm, scale mm. into mainstream production mm. So I think today the scope is definitely it helps in accelerating R and D and okay. evaluating various concepts. And I think moving forward, if we have very niche, specialized requirements for certain parts that cannot be done via casting or uh, the conventional processes, is where so if you, if you observe in the world of racing, for instance, there is additive manufacturing coming in. So because you're building one-off. Uh, parts there and uh, sometimes the cost may not be the only consideration at that point right the performance becomes a rate saving the yeah. performance our our benefits that you get with additive so if you seen like we in um, at auto expo in january we had unveiled our uh, f99 racing platform and that used a lot of you know additive manufacturing in that sense um, we a lot of uh, new materials like carbon fiber as well mm. yeah yeah and that was a very specific use case for our f99 racing platform right? mm-hmm. so yeah so that must have been also one consideration for you to keep the weight low but also yes. the overall yes. frame strong and all that absolutely absolutely yes. so that's why carbon fiber comes into the picture usually right you have strength and you're not adding too much weight onto the vehicle and, and on our systems if you see the chassis also has been very well optimized mm-hmm. the battery and the motor mount also serve as structural load bearing members so we don't have excess chassis members you know enveloping the whole system in fact we very well distributed the load mm-hmm. across the subsystems on the vehicle as well i'm thinking the battery is the heaviest part of the bike yes okay. so this kind of a battery 10 kilowatt or right. what's typical weight of such a battery it would be about 60 60 kilograms okay and overall weight of the bike about 207 kg is okay. the overall weight Anything else you think of that we should sort of catch up on? Also, sorry, sorry, not upstairs. So this is an extension of the hangar itself. This is more of a community zone uh-huh. where a lot of our uh, riders, customers, come relax for a bit. It's it's like a uh-huh. <laughs> on their way to office or on the way back home. We have a lot of folks uh-huh. stopping over. We have a flight simulator here. Okay. We've got multiple options for you to from a beginner level to highly advanced level of flight simulator programs. Ah. Then here why a flight simulator? And why not like a, a bike riding simulation? 
I mean, Experience. a bike riding simulation, you get in a lot of these arcades and all that, okay, but okay. core of what we do is aviation. <laughs> so, it's driven by that aviation philosophy. And this is also an experience that you seldom get anywhere else in the country. Huh. So, we wanted to... In fact, a lot of our customers who come by sometimes have actually ended up spending hours doing this, doing this right? Uh, they may have come for some other reason, but they enjoy right, just huh. uh, playing on the simulator right now. And if you see here, uh, we've got a lot of the current and upcoming accessories uh -huh. on display. So this this vehicle, for instance, has the uh, panniers on it. Um, this is more of a, on one, of, one side you have the boost charger that will fit in. On the other side, it's for your requirements when you travel longer distances. What's a boost charger? Boost charger, we have two types of chargers, the standard and the boost. Standard is an overnight charger that takes about 8 plus hours to charge. The boost does it in half the time. Okay. And that boost also is the larger, it's a 3 kilowatt uh, charger. Okay. Standard is a 1.3. Yeah, 1.3 kilowatt. And does it require its own installation, its own specific type of uh, sockets and things like that? So typically with the boost charger, um, so we try to work alongside, you know, the existing electrical grid and uh, the kinds of connections that most people have in their residences, right? So, for example, the 1.3 kilowatt standard charger works on a simple 5 amp, 6 amp kind of connection if you have that available in your house, right? And um, the boost charger works on a 3 kilowatt line, which is equivalent to, you know, a typical heater or a refrigerator, that kind of power line, which is a 15 amp or 16 amp mm -hmm. socket. Mm -hmm. So, it's meant to work with that. So, most houses already have a sanctioned capacity for a for even a boost charger and that's how we have engineered and built out uh, these things. So, you, so for your customer, you say, the person who, who made this trip to Ladakh, right, so right. he would have been able to just plug it into yes. wherever, like a, something available in the hotel. Yes, yes, yes. So, he charged at a couple of army camps, a couple of um, dealerships, a couple of um, Restaurants, cafes, and and of course some infra that has been set up by a few other charging infra companies. Okay, okay. That ecosystem, I suppose, is very nascent. But uh, uh, do you think that will evolve? Where you know you can maybe go to a cafe coffee day, right? For half an hour, pay for it. That's already happening. That that uh, that uh, part of the ecosystem is already kicked off. Okay. It's about increased density now as we move uh, forward. See, and the good part here is, I think. If you look at the connector format and all that, right? This there is sort of standardization that is happening across manufacturers in terms of the format, which is you know the IS one seven zero one seven dash two dash six, and it's a mouthful, but that is the standard which is based on a IEC global standard, right? So for um, you know these kind of electric vehicles, light electric vehicles as they're called, right? So um, this is the standard that you know everyone's going towards. So then. Now it's more about the protocol and the communication and interoperability. But the hardware to begin with is already interoperable and we are working with these standards and not going down a proprietary format, which means you know this only makes it easier as, as time progresses to just be able to plug in a vehicle or any vehicle into any charging point. So one end of your Yes, goes into Yes. Right.
That's it for this conversation. I hope you found it interesting. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.